Welcome to the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. Welcome back into another edition of the CMB Fantasy Football League Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 14th, episode 101. Zach, how are you doing? Doing well. Zach, episode 101, No, nothing special this week. I mean, we had a big episode 100 last week. A lot of production. Just wanted to say uh, real quick thank you to Matt Suggs, who helped out a lot with getting some of that old uh, content that we had from years past that I thought was lost forever. But Zach did a really good job putting that one together for us. Yeah, Suggs put in some serious work, and uh, I was really impressed. Really hope you guys enjoyed that uh, episode. Guys, go back and listen if you haven't already. But uh, episode 101, let's not waste any time, Zach. We're not going to do any drafts this week. Uh, there's a lot to cover. But oh, I do want to – Oh, wait. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, how was your dad's birthday? <laughs> I was just about to say that. I, I didn't want us to spend a ton of time uh, on other things, but I did want to say happy birthday to Terry Pace, who turned 65. I don't think he cares. People knowing about that. Yep. Turned 65 on Monday, and I think he had a good day. He did, and I and I saw him on his birthday in Walmart. So of course you did. Yeah, it was uh, it was meant to be. You guys run into each other in the same section every time. Is it like you no? Know, this, the- this time it was in the grocery side over there, and uh, you know, so happy birthday, where, TP at Walmart. Couldn't have been better. Where is it usually that you see him? Random places. It's just all over. Like I'm I, picturing I like. like I feel like usually it's not on the grocery side. Justin used to work at Walmart, my older brother, and he used to work what they call B&Ps, bra and panties. It wasn't over there, was it? <laughs> no. And if it was, I would take out my phone and start videotaping it and send it to you. Oh, man. that This is not a video podcast, but if it were, this, that would be insane content. Oh, I would be crying. All right. Let's move on here. Like I said, we have a lot to cover. So real quickly, Zach, let's take a trip around the league. <laughs> Let's take a trip around the league. Week 11 in the NFL, some crazy stuff has happened in the past seven days. Okay, not that crazy, but uh, there were some big uh, things to come out of practice and at some facilities this past week. We talked about, last week, we talked about Matt and John of Strongside spending all of their remaining fab bucks on uh, Des Bryant, who was never signed by a team and sat out the first, you know, 10 weeks Des, in the last play of his second practice as a New Orleans Saint, tears his Achilles, done for the season. On which play? This was the – I read this today. This was the final play of practice on just his second practice with the team. It's just like Matt Breida, you know, in the last play of practice. It's brutal. It's it's just, you know, the the latest awful thing to happen uh, to Des. Uh, You know, we talked about – you know, Matt and John spending $41, every last bit of fab they had. And it was funny to see on Friday because the news broke around like two or three in the afternoon. And I get on the Facebook group and I see that Matt has started a poll, basically a plea for us to just give back all of their remaining fab bucks, the $41, give it back to a strong side after they spent the 41 bucks. And of course it was a resounding no. There were two votes for yes. And it was John and Matt, of course. And then there were like 12 no's. Yeah, that, I really got a kick out of that whole uh, post and all the gifs and everything. That was good entertainment. Yeah, they never stood a chance. Like, there was no way that was going to get approved. <laughs> and if it did, if they did get enough votes, Zach, would you have vetoed that? Yeah, I mean, like, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, I, like, I like when John posted the fake news. <laughs> yes. To the report of Des. <laughs> Yeah, John, John is like, he's very choosy of when he participates and like is active in the Facebook group. But I feel like when he does, it's usually pretty good. I did like this tweet, though. This was from at Brad Evans or actually at Yahoo Noise. Of course, Brad is uh, the guy we see in those videos in your matchup videos every week with Yahoo Fantasy. And he tweeted this right after the injury. He said, Des Bryant one for one trades in Yahoo leagues the past 24 hours. This is real, Zach. I cannot believe this. Des Bryant for Dion Lewis. Somebody traded away Julian Edelman for Des Bryant. Oh. Uh, Jordan Howard for Des Bryant. T.Y. Hilton for Des Bryant. And he said, people are drunk on the silly sauce, which I couldn't agree with more. Really dumb leagues around Yahoo, as we're finding out. Yeah, clearly. Uh, but to follow up with that injury, there uh, was some more news. This was on Monday of this week. So he injures himself on Friday, Des Bryant does. And then on Monday – uh, Sean Payton, who is, I believe, the GM of the Saints and also the head coach, of course, uh, signs Brandon Marshall 
to the Saints on a one-year deal who recently was cut by the Seahawks. And so, I, you know, I, I kind of see what they're doing here. I mean, I, I understand the role. I just I don't get why Traquan Smith, and I'm a little bitter about that, of course. Traquan Smith, the number two receiver for the Saints last week. No Des Bryant. It's just him and Michael Thomas, and he gets zero targets in week 10, despite the Saints scoring six touchdowns over the Bengals. They had no room for a single target for Traquan, but uh, that was a little frustrating. Did want to mention real quick here, Zach, a, uh, a real quick, that's what she said. Sean Payton had a quote to the New Orleans press when he said that size was important when determining Marshall's fit with the New Orleans offense. So uh, that's what she said. All right, next bit of news. This is the biggest news by far in the NFL. I mean, I think ESPN actually dedicated an entire like show to this. You know how sometimes they do that, like the countdown to when free agency starts or the countdown to the trade deadline. They did a countdown to when Le'Veon Bell's deadline was for him to return to the Steelers. And of course that does not happen. Uh, Bell missed his deadline and is now ineligible to return in 2018. Zach, what did you make of this whole story? Did you kind of see this coming? Yeah, I didn't think he was he was going to come back. And even if he did, it was going to be a headache. And definitely regret the uh, Deion Lewis trade for Le'Veon Bell. And all I can think of is you saying, you know, with this trade, if it pans out, um, I really don't feel like you gave up much for it. And Deion Lewis has been looking good. So I'm, I really think I'm just going to mute you from now on discussing our trade because I think you're a curse. I just want so- to Bell, Bell basically, here's what happened. He basically walked away from $14 million. And Tom Pelissero of NFL Network made a good point. He said that, you know, week one, when Bell missed the first week, he missed $700,000. And once you, I guess, I've never seen that much money in my life, but once you miss out or you pass on $700,000 over the course of seven days, I think that kind of means you've made your decision because you're not going to just skip out on seven hundred grand and then come back. And you're, if, you're, if your decision is to keep your body healthy, why would you come back and play seven games, you know? Right, yeah. I think there was more going on behind the scenes, we may find out later, Yeah, uh, for him to be in Pittsburgh, you know, on that last day and stuff like that. So there might have been some, you know, behind the, the doors kind of agreement or something. I'm not sure. But anyways, he's gone. He's gone. We haven't had a good old-fashioned podcast poll, Zach, in the Facebook group, and I think we should have one this week, first one in a long time. Who should be more upset in our league? I know you just made your case, but who should be more upset with the Bell news? Allman Brothers for moving up to take Bell number two overall, or H&F for trading away Deion Lewis, Jameson Crowder, and Danny Amendola? I think you can make the case for either. Uh, you're going to make the case for us because they have James Conner, and they got him so late in the, the draft that he's provided incredible value. So basically we just threw away those, those players. That's true. But you could also say that they, by taking bell, they passed on Antonio Brown. They passed on cream hunt. They passed on all kinds of players, Alvin Kamara, that they could have taken instead. So uh, I just, I want to see people make the case for either. I think you guys can make the case as well. Yeah. I, uh, I could see it going either way, but I mean, James Connor is the number three, running back in our league. Oh, yeah. I mean, only Alvin Kamara and Todd Gurley are ahead of him. So he's had a – that's pretty good value. So I don't feel I don't feel bad at all for them. I mean, that's pretty much what you would want from Le'Veon Bell. You'd be happy if he was the number three overall running back. So um, I think they're fun. So Le'Veon Bell, now a free agent heading into 2019. Zach, who are some teams you want to see him on uh, in their lineup next season? Mm, I mean – I've seen that they said the Jets are the favorites, you know, but it would be interesting to see him go uh, to maybe a more of a contending team, but I bet it'll probably be somebody that just throws a ton of money at him like the Jets. I want to see him go to a team, like you said, like a contender that just needs a running back, just needs a bell cow. I'm thinking another team in Pennsylvania and the Eagles. Ah, yeah. But here's what would need, need to happen. He would need to make $44 million over the next two seasons to really justify him sitting out in 2018. And that is reportedly what the Steelers had offered him this past offseason. So if he can go to Philly, get a two-year $44 million deal, which is highly unlikely, then I think he comes out on top of this whole situation. He took a year off from his body. But, uh, yeah, that whole situation, I, it's hard to really make the case for Bell. He kind of screwed up on this one. Yeah. All right, next bit of news here, and we won't spend too much time on this one, but the Buffalo Bills cut Nathan Peterman and Terrell Pryor in a span of two days. Zach, Nathan Peterman 
statistically is the third worst quarterback of all time. I believe it. It's it's believable. I mean, as a starter, the guy went one for th- one and th- excuse me, one and three. Uh, passing wise, he was 68 for 130, so 52.3 percent completion rating, only 548 passing yards, three touchdowns and 12 picks. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, he had and this is the the craziest stat that I saw on Peterman: 32.5 passer rating. That's nuts. He could have – they said that throwing every pass of yours in the dirt gives a quarterback an automatic 39.6 rating. That's like, you know, you get that automatic 12 just for, for putting your name on the ACT. Yeah. I mean, Peterman literally could have just thrown the ball in the dirt and he would have had a better passer rating than what he ended uh, – I don't want to say his career because there's still a chance for the guy, but uh, 32.5, the worst – actually, the third worst of all time so far. So let's pour one out for Nathan Peterman. And then some more quarterback news here, Zach. Last bit of news – I, I want to ask you, is Fitzmagic even real anymore? Uh, it appears to be dead. I hope it's not, and I never really got to experience it in the first place. But I mean, he threw for a lot of yards, and uh, hopefully you get it turned around. But that's, that's the curse of, of the Tampa Bay quarterback situation. You never know when somebody's going to get pulled. Yeah, and Bucks coach Dirk Cutter said that there's not going to be a quarterback change this week and that Fitzpatrick will remain the starter. So good news for you there. But uh, his second stint, like I said, as the starter for the Bucks this year, it hasn't been as good as the first stint when I got to experience the magic. Uh, not to, you know, rub the dirt in at all, but uh, Fitzy threw for 406 yards in week 10 and the loss to the Redskins. But he threw two interceptions and zero touchdowns, just had 17.8 fantasy points. So, Zach, I'll ask you, how many points does Fitzy need each week to justify you and Brian spending the 45 fab bucks? Um, you know, just 20-something. You know, just if you could do anything close to what uh, Rivers was doing, that'd be fine with us. All right, let's move on to some injuries here. Only two really worth covering, then we'll move on to a trip around CNB. But Cooper Cup, probably the biggest injury news of the week, uh, receiver for the Rams and, of course, for Tecmo Power Runners. Terrace's ACL in the week 10 matchup with the Seahawks, he's now out for the season. So that is a, I would say a pretty significant loss for the fourth place Tecmo power runners who they now start Kenny Galladay in cups place. And, you know, Galladay, he's had, uh, he had a second biggest week in week 10 against the bears. He had six catches on 13 targets, but I'm, he's no Cooper cup. Um, and so even after missing two and a half games while he was previously injured cup, is still currently ranked the 20th ranked receiver in CMB. He had about 7.8 targets in each of his full games played. So a big loss for Tecmo. Yeah, but I mean, they've got great depth and Kenny Galladay is only, let's see, three spots behind Cooper cup in the season with points total. So um, they have some good depth. So I think they're going to be okay. Another injury here to another receiver. This is A.J. Green of Dragon Energy. Toe injury that kept him out last week. It was supposed to be a pretty significant injury where you might miss multiple weeks, but uh, according to head coach Marvin Lewis, there is a chance that he plays on Sunday in the Bengals-Ravens rivalry. So I'll say this for Rich. He desperately needs Green back this week if he wants to stay in the playoff picture in CMB. You know, he's been fortunate to have Tyler Boyd in his lineup, but Boyd's been kind of like a Katy Perry song this season, man. Hot and cold, yes and no, in and out, up and down, so on, so on. Uh, did you ever think I'd make a Katy Perry reference on this podcast? I did not. <laughs> no. But let me, like, let me finish the point here. So Tyler Boyd, 21 points in week four, and then he went – 8.4, back up to 25.2, back down to 5.7. His biggest week of the season with 28.6, and then back down to earth with 9.5. And A.J. Green, on the, on the flip side, he's been kind of the definition of consistency. He's had zero single-digit performances and only one game below 15 points. So he is a steady receiver for Rish, and I think he needs him back this week if he wants to stay in the hunt. Yeah, I completely agree. Rish has both of his teams on a bye this week too so hopefully we can get that fixed all right let's move on zach and let's take a trip around cmb we'll recap week 10 here a little bit and the trade deadline zach was last saturday but the final trade was made between kemp's crew and isaiah 4031 on october 31st so not only was there not a you know big final push before the deadline there wasn't even a trade made in the month of november yeah, I mean, it was, it was very quiet. I kind of thought it would be that way, and it was. The first trade in CMB was made on uh, – it's actually before week one on September 5th, and that was a trade, I think, 
maybe H&F, you guys were involved in this one, but uh, there were only 13 total trades this season. And to me, that number seems kind of low for our league. Our league in general doesn't like to trade. Um, you hear of a lot of other leagues and people throwing out trades all the time, but for some reason in our league, it just doesn't happen too much. So outside of FAB, pretty much the, the lineups as is are kind of locked. The last bye week of the season is next week in week 12, where I think the Chiefs and maybe the Rams uh, are on bye. But other than that, uh, man, we're in that final push for the playoffs. And there's only, like I said, a few more bye weeks, but it is, uh, it's kind of go time with the trade deadline now in the rearview mirror. Um, so, Zach, let's look real quickly at the Week 10 All-Pro team, assuming you have that together. I do. Yeah, the uh, All-Pro team for Week 10, your number one quarterback was Big Ben, 44.10. Tari Kill, Allen Robinson were your top wide receivers. Uh, Duke Johnson was your top running back, surprisingly, 38.55. Nick Chubb, 37.15. Top tight end, Zach Ertz with 40 points, 40.50. And your flex was McCaffrey with 36.80. Your top kicker, which I feel like I've said this over and over, was uh, Will Lutz for 18.25. DST was Buffalo, 18 points. Your top IDPs, Amukamara, 23 points. Vander Esch, 22.75. Vince Williams, 20 points. And your top DBs were Bryce Callahan, 17.25. And Greg Stroman, uh, 14.75, bringing the total to 395.10. So about 10 points higher than last week. Huge week in, uh, through the All-Pro team, but I will say the biggest week of the season, biggest week we've had in a long time in CMB was Kemp Cruz, big week. It all started last Thursday night in the Steelers, 52-21 to blowout of the Panthers. Jake had Big Ben, who scored 44.1 points, like you mentioned, and Christian McCaffrey, who was our top flex player, he put up 36.8 points. Uh, man, Jake, I mean, the rest of Jake's lineup did all right. You know, they outperformed their projected points, but it really wasn't until Sunday night when Jake just started running the score up on Chase. I mean, he, he had Zach Ertz as his tight end. You know, Zach Ertz, a great tight end, top three, top five tight end. He put up 40.5 points. Yeah, the acquisition of Zach Ertz for Jake has been tremendous and in such a thin um, position this year in fantasy, able to acquire somebody – you know, his caliber is just, it's huge to have in that tight end position. Yeah. And you hate to see it happen to Chase. Cause you've mentioned before, one of the unluckiest players in our league. What, what are you talking about? Chase Goff. Oh, going against him. Yeah. 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 So uh, we'll talk a little bit later about Jake's big week in our call of the week. But before we do that, Zach, let's look at the standings in our league. When you look right now, after everything's kind of shaken out after week 10, does anything stand out to you in the standings? Just uh, Jake's the first one to clinch. Uh, he's got a really good team going. And, uh, yeah, so he's the first one to claim a spot. There's seven more spots available. And I feel like – I really feel like everybody really has a shot at it right now at making the playoffs. There's nobody um, – you know, even the three and seven teams, I mean, we're at five and five, you know, um, and we're in sixth place. So anything can happen. Yeah, the playoff implications are really starting to kind of develop. You know, you mentioned Kemp's crew – already clinching a spot. They are ahead, I should say. They Jake is ahead of the second-place strong side by a ridiculous 190 points. So Jake, just far and away the best team right now. Uh, next here, though, in second and third-place strong side in East Coast Wombats, they can actually clinch a spot with wins this week. Uh, they're not playing each other, so both of those teams could clinch this week. I don't think it happens. Um, I'll say this, though. Almond Brothers, still the only team to not spend a single fab buck, and their hot streak ended last week. So it looks like they're back in ice bucket contention. They need to start spending some fab bucks. I wonder if we need to do like a PowerPoint presentation at the draft on how the fab system works. Because I'm just shocked at some of these amounts of, of fab left, you know. Yeah, and I, I, especially with, with Almond Brothers, like, you know, not spending a single dollar. We're already in week 11. I, here's what we need to do. We need to have like an intervention. I live in Nashville. So does James. You and Blake both live in Cookville. We need to take them out to lunch and just have a talk with them. <laughs> just explain it yeah yeah so uh those are the standings as of now of course all that stuff's going to shake out after this week but uh zach pick him challenge we even talk about this yeah uh Suggs is still uh, in first place not too much has changed like this this past week um i feel like was a lot of favorites winning you know in, in the right. pick um but Suggs is still in the lead he kind of gained one spot over uh 
the second place and third place people. Uh, Matt Collins, though, coming in strong with a perfect 7-0 and week. So uh, that was pretty impressive. All right, Zach, not a pick em challenge, but we did make some picks and some uh, Week 10 locks and bold predictions. Let's review those. Last week, Zach, you locked Kevin White, and he actually lost to Tecmo Power Runners by 61 points. So yeah. uh, not a good lock there, but uh, – and I'm again, not to brag, I won my lock because East Coast Wombats beat Isaiah 40-31 by 46 points. This was a sub-100-point uh, game from Jordan. And that is pretty rare in our league to not go over yeah, hundred points. That's really rare. That's unbelievable. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even notice that till you just said it. And the only reason I even locked them was because, I mean, I'm serious. Half his lineup are Philadelphia Eagles and they were on, uh, no, they weren't on by, they played the Cowboys, but they just, they got embarrassed on Sunday night football. So uh rough week for Jordan, but I won that lock. Bold prediction, Zach. And this, your bold prediction was kind of subjective. So I'll let you be the judge here. Personally, I kind of think it was a loss. You said that Jordan Reed it will actually show up this week. Dude had four catches for 51 yards on 9.1 points. So does that count as showing up? No. All right. Uh, I said Keenan Allen would be a top three receiver in week 10. Took a huge L there. He was actually the 16th ranked receiver with 18.95 points. Here are three guys that were ahead of him in the receiver rankings from last week. Zay Jones – Uh, 23.3 points, the second receiver for Buffalo, who had the ball thrown to him by Matt Barkley, who I thought had retired. And then two Chicago Bears receivers in Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. So bad, bad, bold prediction by me. Yeah. All right, Zach, let's move on to week 11 as we preview this week. Uh, Real quick here, fab recap. Not a huge week in fab. The biggest one, of course, being Rashad Penny goes to Kemp's crew for $18. He was, uh, you know, he was a running back that everyone, quote-unquote, I, I should say, erupted in Week 10. He had 16.8 points on 12 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. I wouldn't call that erupted. Um, he, he wasn't even the top-ranked running back on his team last week. Mike Davis, who's also on Kemp's crew, had 18 points. And Chris Carson, who Jake traded away, is back this week. So, he spent $15 on the third running back in a committee right now, so we'll see if that pays off for him. Uh, I bid $15 for Penny, didn't get him. Greg Co. bid 10 Big Orange Bullies, 8 and Your Worst Nightmare, $5. Uh, next one here, I thought this was interesting. Arizona's defense goes to Your Worst Nightmares for $4, and IDP still sucked, bid $2. So it looks like both of those teams are wanting a piece of the Oakland Raiders offense who gets to play Arizona this week. Yeah, they've been um, And then this next one here, Zach, and I just had to pour salt in the wound here because you guys have no money left, but uh, you guys bid $0 on Justin Reed, the Houston safety, and because you're lower on the waiver priority, Chase uh, Gaw, Big Orange Bullies, got him for free. Well, what's interesting, and it's done this before, is he was like our last waiver priority, so we didn't even have room to acquire him. (laughs) I don't know why to even post that we put in a blind bid for him. Because like we, even if we had the higher priority, we couldn't have even done that transaction because our player already got dropped. So I don't know what's I don't know what's going on with Yahoo. Look, it give, it gives Chase some confidence. Big Orange oh, Bullies. Okay. They get a quick win going into the season. I mean, okay. going into the week. Sorry, Chase. All right, some non competes this week. I spent ten dollars on Josh Reynolds, the third receiver. In, uh, with the Rams, I almost said with Los Angeles, but with the Rams, ten bucks could have got him for free apparently. Jalen Samuels, who is a running back slash tight end for the Steelers, goes to Tecmo Power Runners for ten bucks. Also could have gotten him for free. And then ECW, this is classic ECW. I swear they are doing this just for podcast material. They bid five dollars on Eli Manning, and I kid you not, I think sixty dollars of their fab bucks have been spent on bottom five of the league quarterbacks. I mean, they have bid on Eli Manning. This is the second time they've bid on Eli Manning this year. They've bid money on Joe Flacco. They've bid money on Ryan Tannehill. It's just, I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And they're somehow in third place. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Um, So, Zach, let's move on real quickly and do our picks of the week. Picks of the week. All right, of course, Zach, each of us are going to pick a lock of the week and some bold predictions. First matchup here, this is Big Orange Bullies, number 11, versus Dragon Energy, number 7. Rish should have A.J. Green back this week, like I mentioned. And Chase, again, he's relying on some of his touchdown-dependent players. 
like Corey Davis and Sterling Shepard. Both of those guys scored touchdowns in week 10, but they rarely have consecutive successful weeks. And so for that, I'm picking Dragon Energy. Whoa. Okay. I'm, I'm picking uh, Big Orange Bullies here. Uh, oh. I, like, I like his team. It's got uh, Corey Davis looking good, um, getting Fournette back, and Melvin Gordon's just been a stud. So, Yeah, I'm still picking Rish, but here is some, some area of optimism for Chase. Melvin Gordon, who you just mentioned, he's had five straight games with 120 scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So he's just been like the model of consistency in fantasy. He's been really good. I think he picked him with that snake pick at the at the top of the second round. So uh, he really missed the boat on on Leonard Fournette, who missed most of the season with an injury, but he made up for it in Melvin Gordon. Yeah. All right, let's move on here. Next one, West Coast Wombats number five versus Isaiah 4031. <laughs> Jordan is in an arms race with J&J for the ice bucket. I really believe that, and I think he's asking for it with as many eagles as he has in his lineup. Uh, but that's for another podcast. We ragged on West Coast Wombats for the first six weeks, Zach, for Derrick Henry, who put up fewer than five points in five matchups in their starting lineup. But he has been in the end zone four times in the past three games. Yep. Um, he's still not seeing the volume that Lewis is, but Indy is giving up the ninth most fantasy points to running backs. So I could see a couple more touchdowns in Henry's future this Sunday. In Indy, I'm picking West Coast Wombats. Yeah, I'm picking West Coast as well. Here's an amazing stat from week 10. <laughs> Jordan I won and started Cody Parkey. And at kicker, he, you know, his normal starter is Justin Tucker. So what, what Jordan does is he goes and he picks up Cody Parkey, starts him for the Bears with Tucker on by, like I mentioned. And he literally could have left his lineup spot empty at kicker and would have gained five points because Parkey finished with negative five after he goes two for four on extra points and he clanked a 34 and a 41 yard field goal attempt. That's just brutal. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, I, you can't write that any better. I mean, is that the most we've ever spent talking about a kicker on this podcast? Close. All right. Uh, oh, good point. I forgot. Uh, the unicorn of our league, Brandon McManus. So next match up here, Greg Coe, number eight, who has right now, as if, if the season ended today, he would be the last in the playoffs versus IDP still suck. Number 13, I think J and J are tanking, Zach. I I said it. They're tanking. Uh, yeah. I think I think they're tanking. I think they want the ice bucket. I think they have something really creative in mind, and I think that they are tanking right now. They're trying to get Zion Williamson. Basically, yeah. I think that's I think that's exactly what's happening. Yep. Yep. Um, they currently don't have a tight end in their lineup, and they have no replacement for Buffalo's defense special teams, which is on a bye this week. But beyond that, Greg has Drew Brees. And if Josh Rosen will let him, I think Larry Fitzgerald is about to go off for his final seven games of his career. So I'm going with Greg Coe. Wow, maybe uh, East Coast should pick up Josh Rosen then. I don't know. Is he, yeah, he's probably a free agent. They should go spend like $25 on him. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking Greg Coe too. All right, Tecmo Power Runners number four versus the Almond Brothers number 12. I uh, just talked about the Cardinals a little bit, but I'll, I'll talk about them a little bit more. David Johnson is back, and he gets the Raiders, who are giving up the seventh most fantasy points to running backs this season. Plus, I, I think strong side has the strongest trio of receivers in this league uh, this year. But Tecmo, they make a strong case. They have Tyree Kill, Juju Smith-Schuster, and we mentioned earlier Kenny Galladay. So really strong trio of receivers. I'm picking Tecmo this week. Yeah, I'm picking Tecmo as well. You know what? It's my lock of the week. <laughs> okay. All right. Lock of the week, Tecmo, also bold prediction. T.Y. Hilton, he, he and Andrew Luck, they have been kryptonite for the Titans secondary for the last, like, six, seven seasons. I'm going to say that T.Y. Hilton has his first 20-plus point game since he put up 22 in week two. So he will go over 20 points against the Titans this week, my bold prediction. Yeah. All right. All right, next matchup, Zach, and I'm going to have minimal commentary here because I know you don't like me talking about H&F, but H&F Industries, number six, is that okay so far? I haven't given away too much. You're, yeah, you're okay right now. All right, H&F Industries, number six, versus Your Worst Nightmare, number nine. Uh, all right, I'll just get this out really quickly. Zach, we talked about Fitzmagic being real or not earlier in this episode, and I think his tricks will come back this week against the Giants in a pretty favorable matchup on the road. It really goes without saying, too, but I really like Michael Thomas this week against – just an awful Philly secondary. They're giving up the most fancy points to receivers, and they actually just lost Ronald Darby, their starting corner for the season. So a lot of optimism this week for H&F. I'm picking you guys. 
I'm picking Kevin. Uh, I think Kevin's got a really good team. Um, and had he not made some trade, he would have an unbelievable team if you inserted uh, Zach Ertz into this lineup and, and Sony Michelle. Um, and I'm going to pick Kevin as a lock of the week. Again, two weeks in a row you're picking Kevin. Kevin, lock of the week. All right, give it to Kevin. Uh, this next matchup here, Zach, this is my matchup. I'm ranked number 10, still trying to inch into the playoffs. I don't know if it's, if it's going to happen because I'm playing the number two ranked team, strong side. They are hot right now. Uh, I'm going to pick myself, of course, on this podcast, and I'll say why. I have Sammy Watkins, Kareem Hunt, and Aaron Donald all playing in the Monday Night Football matchup this week between the Rams and Chiefs in what I think this could be the highest scoring game of all time. Um, if you gave me some truth serum, though, truthfully, I'd tell you that strong side will beat me this week because that's what I, I really think is going to happen. But I don't think anyone wants to hear a dejected pace on this podcast. Um, so I'm going to pick myself. I had strong side picked, but I think Eckler's going to be a bust. And uh, I don't know about Lamar Miller, man. I don't know. He had two good weeks in a row there, but I'm not sure. And I want to tell you what's going to happen. Are you ready for this? Oh, let's hear it. Marcus Mariota is going to throw for four touchdowns. Oh, man, I love it. Yep. I'm picking um, you. Is he, so he's going to throw four touchdowns. Does that mean that next week when Baker is back from his bye, am I going to leave Marcus in the lineup? Call your shot. Yeah, you are, for sure. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hey, serious question, though, and I'm dead serious when I ask this. I'm not just, like, asking for, like, a hot take for a question for this podcast. Should Matt and John bench Aaron Rodgers for Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah, that's a fair question. I remember he said uh, a while back, he's like, we're not going to play Mitchell Trubisky, but, you know, they just have him as, as insurance. But my goodness, threw up 42 points, you know, but what scares you is a week before he throws up 10 points. But other than that, dude's been a stud. I mean, a yes. stud. Um, after that that huge game on Monday night with the six touchdowns or whatever whatever night that was. But he's been unbelievable, and they, and they really need to, they need to consider it. Yeah, and Matt can tell you, I tried on multiple times to trade for Mitchell Trubisky because I knew he would never see the starting lineup except for Rodgers by week, of course. But I tried maybe three, four times to trade for Mitchell Trubisky, and Matt can put the collusion case to bed because he said no every time. He said, we're not trading away Trubisky. We need him. I think he thought Rodgers was going to go out for the season or something. But, dude, Trubisky's the seventh-ranked quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is ninth. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah, we we tried to get uh, Trubisky as well from Matt and John this year, and he said they just they liked where their team was, and they had no interest in trading. And uh, I don't think they traded all season. So, and for good reason too. I mean, they started out the season I want to say kind of rough because they they drafted two players that I really liked. They draft Trey Burton, the tight end, uh, Mitchell Trubisky's tight end in Chicago, and they take Marquise Goodwin kind of early. That was a guy I really liked pre-draft. Both of those guys got hurt and had really bad first couple of weeks, but both of those guys have kind of come on recently. So they have kind of rode the storm and, and waited it out, and I think they're paying off right now. They're hot. They're second place. I, t I take it back. They did have a trade. It was uh, with you, Pace. It was Eli Manning and Case Keenum. Oh, yeah, trade of the century. Yep, that was a good one. All right, last matchup here, Zach. This is East Coast Wombats number three versus our call of the week. It's time for the Call of the Week. We are now joined by a man in our league, Zach, who is known for his fandom of one. I don't even know how you describe Sean Kemp. Uh, Zach, what, what word would you use to describe Sean Kemp? What word? Yeah. What? Like letdown, amateur? Yeah, loser. You know. Well, this, this, person, this person is associated with Sean Kemp. And it's, you know, he needs no further introduction. This guy's been on our podcast several times. A great guest, great get for our pre and post draft episodes. He is one of two players in our league that lives and resides in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're talking about Jake Standifer of Kemp's crew. Jake, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Jake, I'm sorry to do that to you. I, I just, I associate you with Kemp's crew and with uh, Sean Kemp. So uh, maybe, do you want to defend Sean Kemp real quick? Or you want to just move on? What is there to defend? I mean, how do you defend one of the greatest power forwards uh, to ever play the game? You know, you, you lived in an era with uh, MJ, and, uh, you know, MJ's going to get all the love here, but uh, number 40 is where it's at. He's also going to get all the titles. 
Jake, do you feel like, I mean, Sean Kemp, like you said, was a power forward. MJ was a guard. Do you feel like it's kind of apples-oranges comparison? Yeah, that's it. It's apples-oranges for sure. Zach, what do, you, what do you think about that, Zach? That's what I think about it. All right, mm. Jake, let's move on to some fantasy football here, Jake. And I want to start with a text message that I received from you. And I don't care. At least I, I hope you don't care if I share this. This was from last Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time. You were up late for this one. And it says, I want, a re- I want a record this week. I said, what do you mean? It says, Jordan, sweet dreams. Can't wait till we team up later in the future. No, that was at, that was at 12 a.m. Oh, that's at 12 a.m. Okay. So yeah, Jake, that was a real late night text. Right. Jake says, I want a record this week, followed up with most points, followed up with like ever. And so, Jake, I want to know, have you already done the research to see if you broke the record this past week? Yeah, I did. I was uh, six points away. So here, here's a rundown real quickly, Zach, and I know this is going to make you happy, but uh, of course we talked earlier, Zach. Jake had a monstrous week, 257.85 points over Big Orange Bullies who put up 171. So not an awful week, but not even a compare to Jake. So number five, the fifth most points of all time came in 2014, Rob's Power Runners with 243.91 Number four all-time in 2013, also Jake, who was uh, Shiva Kamini at the time, league reference, 253.15 points. The number three was 2009. This is H&F, 254.54 points. And then, like Jake just mentioned, uh, his game in week 10 from this past week was number two all-time. Second place to H&F. Zach, did you know this? Did you guys have the most points of all time in a single week? I didn't know. I did not. This happened in 2016. I'm not re- exactly sure. I didn't look in too far of the week, but I will say, H&F, you guys that year, you guys did this on the back of Le'Veon Bell, Zeke Elliott, his rookie season, Jarvis Landry, Cam Newton, A.J. Green, Randall Cobb, and Jordan Reed. How did that even – how was that possible? Wow. Wow. 263.8 points. So, Jake, you were close. Yeah, and that was, uh, I think you have to, you kind of have to look at the eras too, because when we start looking at 2009, you know, that was way before some important scoring changes and positional changes. So I think the 2016, uh, to put that many points up, uh, is pretty impressive. Jake, I don't know if you're on Twitter that much. We, we talk about Twitter a lot on this podcast. I know you're able to relate a little bit, but I will say a guy that you and I both uh, follow and we both really like for fantasy is Evan Silva of Roto World. And his Twitter bio says players over teams. I think that's the same philosophy you have with football. Can you maybe explain what that is? Like what age did you give up being a fan of a team and start going all in on individual players? You know, it was probably sometime around 2008. Uh, it was one of the last times that the Titans made the playoffs. So lost to um, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, thanks for uh, that bringing was, that up. I think Joe, yeah, Joe Flacco's first year. Uh, it was a super rainy game in Nashville. Uh, me and a few buddies went. Uh, I think that, that that 2008 year was kind of when I said, uh, you know, I'm kind of done with pulling for teams, and I'm just going to go with players. Yeah, it's pretty convenient that the Titans didn't make the playoffs for 10 years after you made that decision. Wow. <laughs> I yeah, have no, no. idea. I, I like that. So, so is that does that coincide with like your interest in fantasy football, or is that just did that become the new standard that you kind of gave up interest on? I know you wear an Eagles jersey occasionally. I don't know if you were an Eagles fan previously, but um, does it, does, was that decision all fantasy football related? Yeah, it was definitely related to fantasy. So, like back in two thousand six is when I really started to get on the Eagles, uh, the wagon. Uh, Brian Westbrook and Donovan McNabb. Uh, I think I even had a TO on my fantasy team. That's kind of the start of, you know, getting associated with a certain player. And then 2010 or maybe even 2012, I really started to get into Antonio Brown. And uh, it's just kind of evolved from there. And I continue to look at sports analytics. Uh, Every year I get more and more deep into that. And so I think that kind of fuels the fire with the fantasy and, not really going with teams because you get you get a lot of let down. Oh, trust me, I know. As a Titans fan, I, I get that all too well. Uh, we're talking a little bit about philosophy, and I want to know your philosophy on a decision from last week. And we saw you 
uh, kind of giving Matt and John the business for spending their remaining fab bucks on Des Bryant. Kind of take me behind the decision there to just go all in on Matt and John for uh, – you basically trashed them for spending $41 on Des Bryant. I want to hear your commentary on this. So – $41. I mean, that's, that's 40% of your entire budget. Uh, if you look back to last year, I think $40 was spent on Latavius Murray. Uh, I think we've had a few, we had uh H&F go all in on Ron Fitzpatrick. But if you look at the Des Bryant deal, I mean, he's used really more or less like the wide receiver two, wide receiver three on a team that really spreads it around a lot. Uh, he's also been out of the league for a year. Uh, the guy's old. I just had no idea why you would spend all that money on a washed-up receiver. It just makes no sense. Yeah. So when you see the news come down that Des Bryant's season's over with a torn Achilles after he uh, injured in practice, was it kind of like poetic justice? I mean, is it like the parent seeing the kid, you know, put his hand on the eye of the stove when you, you kind of said, hey, I told you, I told you so? No, not really. It was just kind of like, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. It kind of kind of like a serves you right, but I mean, I, you know, I, I put in for players all the time, and uh, you know, I spend spend money on them, and then the next week I drop them. So I mean, it, it happens to everybody. Speaking of uh, Kemp's crew being aggressive and taking risks, Kemp's crew had there were thirteen trades in CMB, and Kemp's crew was involved in five of those, which is just insane. Jake, looking back on the season with the trade deadline in the rearview mirror, what was your favorite trade of twenty eighteen that you made? I know which one. Oh, you do? Which one was it? I got it. When you got Zach Ertz and Sony Michelle for Chris Hogan, yeah. Chris Carson. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, uh, I would say oh I would say that that one really helped me. But, I mean, I will say that I, I gave up Chris Carson. Chris Carson was the starting running back for the Seahawks. So, it's not like I was, you know, giving up garbage well, like yeah, H&F usually does. It's, it's just the way it's shaked out, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I – I had uh, Austin Hooper, you know, I drafted him, and I, I waited way late to get a tight end. I was, I probably waited till like 15th or 16 tight ends were taken before I took Hooper. And getting Ertz, and Ertz is an absolute monster. And, and anybody that wants to tell me that Gronk is a top three tight end in fantasy, I'm just going to laugh at you. I mean, Gronk is such a has-been, and I have no idea why you would uh, waste like a second-round pick on a guy like Gronk when there's – Travis Kelsey and Ertz out there. Jake, it's good to hear this like this confident Jake standard for not that you've not always been confident, but it, it was not that long ago. I mean, this is a true rags to riches story. I think Zach would agree. It was just three years ago that you put out that video of you on your deck. Uh, you were like burning a t-shirt in the grill and then you did the ice bucket challenge. And I was like, I think there was a Nickelback shirt involved. So I say, I like to say what has been just the transformation of Kemp's crew over the last three seasons from ice bucket to possibly winning your first championship ever? Well, here's the thing. I don't think that anything with my philosophy has changed. I think that year, particularly, I had a real bad string of injuries, especially a running back. I had uh, basically done the zero RB strategy. I waited. I got Danny Woodhead and I think some other uh, real small running backs. They both got hurt. I made some trades. I traded Jarvis Landry to H&F. I remember the night that I did that. I was at a concert. And uh, I regretted it. I literally so, have no recollection of that. Really? Yeah, it was like a Monday or Tuesday night. I was over at, I was at a concert, and we were trading uh, somebody, and, and I gave away Jarvis Landry for Cameron Meredith. And it was like the week after he had like a huge bust-out week, and I just can't believe I did it. So I was on the bad end of some trades, and I had a lot of injury, uh, you know, bad luck. So I don't think that anything changed from from, from that, but – uh, as I get more and more into analytics and listening to podcasts and really getting deep into the numbers, um, I think that that's what's maybe leading to this confidence, I guess. Hey, speaking of analytics, you're playing a team this week, East Coast Wombats. It appears that Reed Garrison, who once kind of bailed on the league, is a part of the analytics department at ECW. And we had him on the podcast recently. He was able to speak to all the changes and the, the lineup philosophy behind ECW. So I think. He's the brains of the organization. What are your thoughts on the matchup this week with ECW? Do you think you uh, can pull it off again this week? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to pull it off, and I'm going to do it uh, with only four defensive players. I'm not even going to get another DB. Uh, I'm very confident. Uh, East Coast Wombats, it's kind of fluky. 
They're in third place for some strange reason. They've had, you know, I think they're like bottom average in points four, and they've they've had way uh, the like the most the way uh, most least points scored against them. So I think they're kind of lucky to be in third place. I really don't think their team's any good. So uh, they should be a stomper. East Coast Wombat sponsored by H and M Industries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Jake, I don't think this was ever really a rivalry. I mean, I know there was the history of uh, when when Reed, like I mentioned earlier, when Reed left the league, and that was when you were able to come back and take his spot. So maybe there was a little storyline there. Do you think there's – is there a rivalry at all with ECW? Yeah, there was a little bit of storyline there, and I think it started two years ago. Um, I basically just, just play like they don't even exist because I don't think that they're ever going to compete for a title in our league. Oh, so I mean, they're just they're just like that other team that's just kind of there taking up space. Oh man, can we get a guarantee that you are not going to add a DB for this week? You are that confident? I'm that confident. I'm not. I'm just going to go with the team as it sits right now. Uh, I'm not really going to make any changes. So lock yep. of the week, lock of the week, stone cold lock of the week. Hey, Jake, I'll tell you this. One team that definitely exists, a team that is going to compete for championships, always has, probably always will, and a team that definitely has real estate in Jake Stanford's head. I'm talking about H&F, the real rivalry. Uh, where did that rivalry begin? It sounds like it dates back years and years, maybe something a little personal, uh, maybe back to like 90s NBA basketball, little Western Eastern Conference. Jake, what's the rivalry like with H&F? How did that fester, and what's it like today? So basically, I guess it all started in the driveway at uh, Zach's house uh, over right off of Willow Avenue. <laughs> so we had uh, we had we had collected cards back then. What's so the last whole bunch of Michael Jordan cards? Take me back. What's the year? I, I want to say it's probably like '96, '95, maybe. Yeah, it was definitely kind of mid '90s. Uh, I we used to go over and spend the house or spend the night at his house all the time. So. Uh, I would bring my cards over, and then we would basically like look at cards. So I think that's all where it started. Uh, anytime we played basketball together, it was always very competitive. Uh, I do remember one time we were playing on a Sunday afternoon at uh, Jefferson Avenue, and I think I was on some team, and it was, I was stomping Zach for some reason. And, and that's not usually the case, and Zach got so mad and threw the ball down, and then everybody got mad and left. So. Uh, there's there's a been a, there's a been a lot of competitive uh, history with us, so it obviously just spills over into the fantasy world. Zach, your thoughts? Jake's remembering a lot of stuff. I mean, I really uh, I think I've gotten mad playing basketball a lot, so it just all jumbles together for me. Yeah, anyone that's like listening to this podcast knows that Zach Henson has probably the worst memory of all time. So I I would trust Jake's memory over Zach's. Uh, hey, yeah, I would too. Jake, real quick here. I don't understand where this has come from because it seems like every season since Zach and I have hosted this podcast together, there has been a team or another manager that Zach has liked to group me with and say that there's collusion for the longest time. Like people know it was Matt Suggs. For some reason this year, it's Jake Standifer. This is the new collusion case, the new conspiracy of collusion within uh, Zach's head. And I think he sits at home uh, kind of like that movie with uh, uh, what was that movie with Mel Gibson? Science. Yeah, it's kind of like science. I think Zach sits at home and tries to come up with collusion cases. Uh, Jake, what are your thoughts? Every time Zach mentions the collusion between you and me, uh, I don't know where you stand on this. You and I don't really talk about it. Well, I mean, at least I'm not on record, uh, you know, saying, oh, thank you, thank you, H&F. Thank, thank you, Zach, for whatever you do. Like when, <laughs> when Ross came on the podcast like three weeks ago, and it was just like – worshiping h and I like it was disgusting like it made me want to throw up uh i don't know where it's coming from uh but at least i'm not on record as you know praising hey jordan you, pace you would probably be praising us if we gifted you saquon barkley and eric ebron for free yeah that whole eric ebron thing is pretty crazy uh i, I think i read somewhere that he's on pace to actually uh, possibly break the tight end touchdown record. Uh, did you guys hear about that? Oh, I didn't. no, I didn't. Yeah, uh, apparently he's on. Yeah, he's on pace to, I think, break uh, the touchdown record for tight ends. So, like, you're gonna have Gronk and Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates, and then Eric Ebron up there. It's, it's sickening. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable. All right. Thanks for bringing that up, Jake. I really appreciate that. (laughs) The rivalry continues. Hey, Jake, last question here, and this is one that I've been asking here recently. Okay, I've enjoyed the answers that we've gotten, the replies here, but if we were to ever move to a keeper league, which I don't know will ever happen in CMB, but if that were to happen, who would you, and you can pick the easy answer here, you can pick Christian McCaffrey, but who would you uh, lock as your keeper? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I want to make a splash and then say something, but, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is just a beast. The guy is like a model of health. I don't think he's ever going to get hurt. He's going to give you, uh, you know, 16 games a year. Uh, he's a workhorse. He's just an absolute beast. If you could lock an IDP or keep an IDP, it's got to be Darius Leonard, right? Oh, man. i tell you, that week that I got him, uh, week three, uh, I, I've never seen so many people bid on an IDP. And I, I won them for $14. You know, there you go, Zach. There's, there's your 14 for you. And I outbid, I think H&F, I think bid 13. Uh, we had like seven bids, and they were all pretty competitive, and I won out. And I've actually had the most IDP points in our league uh, this year. So, um, and I, I think that was in large part to just that get that I got with Darius Leonard. All right, Zach. What do you have for Jake before we let him go here? What was your uh, What was your opinion on the trade, uh, the picks, and everything getting changed and all that? What What, what was uh, your opinion on all that? I think that it needed to be done, and you know, this is coming from a guy that used the rules to his advantage a couple of years ago when we had, you know, the ability to trade picks. Um, you know, I did what I did what I could. You know, I saw that my team just was not going to be competitive, and so I traded my picks. And I didn't really realize it until this year about how I think it kind of ruins the spirit of the league that particular year. Um, you know, if you get, like, the, the bottom three or four teams and they're all trading their picks, I mean, I, I could see it becoming very, uh, like, a lot of finger-pointing and, a lot of bad moods, and so I'm kind of glad that we did away with it, especially after the the confusing debacle we had at the draft. So I think that it, it needed to be done. I like it, but I just don't think that it's good for our league. The last thing, I, I'm I'm picking, I'm making it official. I'm picking Jake to win the championship this year. Oh, oh no. wow, Zach, don't it's- put that on me. Don't put that juju on me. I've got the same. I've got the same feeling about your team that I did with IDPs last year. Just right now, just and you know, bearing some unforeseen injury. But if you win this year, will you extend the olive branch to another manager to join you? No, and I'll tell you why. I am a control freak when it comes to my fantasy team. Oh, I am on my phone. Uh, constantly tweaking, uh, looking for free agents. And, you know, I'm in five different leagues. So, like, I'm always on my phone doing something. So, I want stick, complete stick control breath. over my team. Pace is cringy. And you may not be able to continue. <laughs> this is bad. No, I, I feel like if me and Pace did it, uh, you know, he likes to tweak too. So, oh boy, we would have – even if I did uh, have a co-manager, we would have to have a strict agreement that says, like, Oh. I'm gonna take care of. I'm gonna take care of the team for uh, these three weeks, and then you take care of it for the next, oh. and kind of maybe alternate. So oh, there's so no way I'm gonna do that. Oh, so it sounded like you almost left the door open and just slammed it right there at the end. So, sorry, Pace. Or, or I mean, I could just be playing you. <laughs> okay. Because that that conversation has been had. Trust me. Okay. Okay. Wink, wink. All right, Jake, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm not so sure about your philosophy on co-managing, but we'll talk about that in a late-night text in the future. So, oh, hey, we'll talk about it. We'll nice. talk about it. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming on. It was good to hear from you, Jake. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Once again, that was Jake Standifer of Kemp's Crew. Zach, I thought that was a pretty decent interview. Uh, I, I don't know. There's always good content with Jake. What did you make of it? Well, considering that's probably our longest interview um, of the year, hashtag collusion to the max right there y'all yeah, are, I, y'all are just in love with each other and it's obvious i don't know what else to say where would you like where would you compare how would you compare the collusion case between me and jake and me and Suggs in previous seasons um real quick was that a good question 
this one this one is definitely worse than you and Suggs for sure. All right. So apparently I have it bad. Uh, who wins this one? Let's pick this matchup. Oh, this this is going to be uh, Jake. I've got him lost. Uh, yeah, I try to pick different matchups from you, and yeah, this one's this one's Jake as well. I'm not locking this one. You said this is your lock of the week. Well, I just I mean locked as in I've got it picked. You know, it's I picked him. Yeah, I'm pick, I'm picking Jake as well. I do I, mean, I do really like the fact that the smack talk that he threw out to East Coast, and the ultimate smack that he is not going to put anybody in his his DB spot. That is going to be fun to watch, dude. That is calling your shot. Yeah, I mean he's already got his uh, his playoff spot locked. So yeah, Ross and Reed they are starting Eli Manning. That is a rough move, and I don't know. I just there's there's no reason of optimism this week for Ross and Reed. So I'm going with Jake as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on here, Zach. We do finally. This is I think this is the first time someone has sent one in. I don't really know if this counts because this person's associated with the podcast. But we have our first volunteer voicemail, Matt Suggs. Bless him. He sent us a volunteer voicemail, and it is a good one. Hey, I got a volunteer voicemail for everybody. This goes out to Jake. Jake, you called us out on the Facebook group. You called out Strongside for spending all the fab we had left on a washed-up wide receiver with five offensive targets already on the Saints. Well, I got a few reasons why this wasn't a terrible idea, and I'm going to share them right now. Number one, nobody knew how good Des Bryant was going to do. When you go from Dak Prescott to Drew Brees, you take a shot on that. Number two, when we had 40 fab bucks left and other people in the league have 80 or 100 fab bucks left, with just a few weeks before the playoffs, you assume everything's going to be bid high. And number three, we didn't need him. We still don't need him. Our team's good. I like the depth we have at wide receiver. I like the depth we have everywhere. I think we're going to make a, make a pretty good run. I've got a bold prediction for you, Jake. Here it is. Jake, you are not going to win the league this year. Oh. I know you're having a good run. I know you're having some of the biggest weeks we've ever had. But when it all shakes out and the playoffs start, you're going – to lose congrats on not having to dump an ice bucket on yourself but you're not going to win the championship either oh yeah dude cut throat oh man do you, you want to hear my impression of matt suggs as soon as that voicemail ended yeah sure <laughs> he didn't stop to breathe once i will say if if jake doesn't win it this year i i really think this is the best team that he's assembled and it was basically because of that Ertz trade um, oh yeah i mean i just don't I, this one will really sting it may sting worse than losing to us by a point whatever points that i mean he, he's got a really good team and it, it really was sheer coincidence that we had this volunteer voicemail from matt and we had jake on as our call of the week because those two not really a history but i mean over the past week jake was trashing you know matt and john for spending that much money on des you know, you say to Jake just, you know, in our interview with him earlier that he's going to win the league, whereas Matt says he's not going to win the league. So, I don't know, the dichotomy of those two things were just kind of perfect for this week. That was hilarious. So, thanks a lot to Matt Suggs for the volunteer voicemail this week. Guys, that's all you need. It doesn't have to be as uh, gunslinging as what Matt just did, but that's what we were looking for in a volunteer voicemail. That was like Exhibit A. Uh, that was Exhibit A gunslinging, though, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Zach, let's move on here and let's do the last segment here, our Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the Week! All right, Zach, uh, I know I should never ask this, but do you have a Tweet of the Week? No, but I have a Facebook post of the week, and that was uh, Chase Galls. Yes. Did, did you see that with Matt Lauer saying that he shook his hand and that you could basically say they're best friends? And then he, he brought it back, I guess, from a few years ago, and he goes, this, this did not age well. Yeah, that, that was pretty good. That was funny. Uh, my, I had so many choices. I mean, since our last podcast, actually, that's not true. Since, well, since the last podcast, the Titans beat the Patriots. Great game. Definitely caught up in the moment. So I decided to not use any Titans-related things because I could definitely get really homerish in about five seconds. So not using anything related to the Titans' big win over the Patriots. But I did see a pretty good tweet. This was related to the Monday Night Football game from uh, this past Monday, of course. This was from at Pete Blackburn, who is a hockey writer for CBS Sports. He wrote, he said, anybody who has ever played Madden against a buddy knows the Giants are cowards for not accepting that last second penalty. <laughs> and what he's referring to is, you know, within the last minute of the game, Eli Manning led this ridiculous drive where he throws a game-winning touchdown to Sterling Shepard. And he gave about 45, 50 seconds left for Nick Mullins to march down the field 
and uh, score a touchdown and win the game for the Niners. Of course, that doesn't happen. It was one of the most anticlimactic endings to a game, especially a primetime game, that I think I've ever seen, where basically Mullins drops back, kind of scrambles around for a little bit, and he throws the ball practically through the uprights out of the back of the end zone. No one even comes close to catching it. And (laughs) there was a, a flag on the field, and it was for, and you thought, oh man, this game's going to go for one more play. They're going to get another chance. Yeah. Holding on the offense. And uh, I guess Pete Blackburn was wanting the Giants to uh, decline the penalty <laughs> or to accept the penalty, I should say, so they could get, a, they could get one more play. But uh, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. All right, Zach, we covered a lot this week. Uh, we, we talked with Jake Stanifer, and he came out hot, firing off against a lot of different things throughout the league, mostly H&F and Matt Suggs. And then we had Matt Suggs call in for a volunteer voicemail. Uh, Des tore his Achilles. Brandon Marshall, now a Saint. Lev Bell, done for the season. Lots of really good stuff to unpack in the NFL this week. And uh, we look forward to episode 102 next week. Zach, take it away. That's a W. That's E1.